When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, it's Thursday night, which means it's time for another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we're back with a great edition today as we're talking about our best, our pitfalls, and our sleeper wide receivers as always i'm your host dan mater thank you to those who are watching us live on our youtube channel please subscribe and hit the bell notification so you get notified whenever we have new content available to you you can also download us on your favorite podcast app and stay up to date with the show when you're on the go i know what you're thinking you're like wait a minute where's Britt flynn of fantasy alarm why we came on to watch this that show we didn't come on to watch the two of you I know. I get it. Unfortunately, she's under the weather. She has assured me that as long as she's feeling better, and I hope that she will be, she'll be back next week for our Wednesday episode at 9.30 when we continue on this series with our tight end. So we look forward to that and hope that Britt gets better soon. But I do have my co-host, Chris Dowhauer, in the building with me. And Chris, we're getting ready just like everybody else is for one of the biggest fantasy football draft weekends. We got a home league on Saturday. Yes, we do. We finally get to draft for some of the ones that we're very serious about. Now, Dan's in about 400 different leagues, so he's more spread out than I am. I do two specific ones with friends and family that I grew up with, and you've been doing one for about 15 years, and this other one that my brother and I have started together. We've been doing this, what, now five, six years, Dan? Uh, this will, I think this is our – oh, you mean the league? Yes. The league is actually eight years now eight years now so yes time flying um but we love to do this and we love to have you know like everybody else we have our friends that we want to compete against and we'd like to win money too yeah i mean like like ruxin says in the league it's fantasy football is about showing that you are better than your friends that's that's always been my mantra always continue to will be uh we don't have a ton of wide receiver news in and of itself. We didn't really get to talk yesterday about the uh, 49er news about Brock. We knew Brock Purdy was going to be a starter, but Sam Darnold being the second string quarterback and Trey Lance by default is going to be the third string. Oh boy. 49ers exploring all options, which uh, to me only means one thing, which is he's going to be the third string quarterback on the 49ers bench because there's no way they get anything of value for him. I, Chris, what do you make of this whole situation? This is insane. Well, I mean, first of all, uh, we like to call our shots on this show. and We do our fantasy, no, no, do you know, fantasy. We also do our draft show. And we warned you, MD Nation, that Trey Lance was a bust waiting to happen. And here we are a couple of years later, and it has been proven true. Even bust of all bust, Sam Darnold has now beat him out for the number two position. Um, Trey Lance has no market, Dan. We've heard this last year, too. And I think if the 49ers would have had a market, they would have moved on from him. Um, you don't want to necessarily sit on a guy you spent all that draft capital on and have him sit on your third string. Plus, you have to possibly pay him about $10 million next year. So I think the 49ers are dying to get rid of him. But to your point, 
Uh, John Lynch also came out and commented today, looks like there's a good chance that Trey Lance is going to probably stay on the roster. Yeah, because nobody wants him. Yeah, you think? Oh, that would actually, it would be help if I had a body. Yeah, it's it's just, it's an awful, awful, awful situation. (laughs) I mean, it's just, just terrible in every situation. And yet... Here's the thing that was crazy about the 49ers that because they have gone to NFC Conference Championships last two years in a row, they've been a good team. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch might be the first coach and GM in history to make a move like that. Catastrophically bad on the NFL history scales. It's all the way up there. And yet nothing's really going to come of it because, well, the team got lucky and it still wins. It's an insane situation when you think about it from that perspective. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at it, uh, basically a GM and a coach that's got a gigantic mulligan. Usually this costs somebody their job and heads are going to roll when you blow a first rounder and three first rounders after that. Uh, the 49ers are a team that was been trying to compete for Super Bowls, and that's a lot to give up for a guy who's playing third right now in your quarterback position. Oh, water sucks. It really, really sucks. Water sucks. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Now, as some of you may know, you've been following the show for a long period of time. I am a 49ers fan, so this one hit close to home. But I predicted before the training camera, I'm really going back to March, that Trey Lance would be the third-string quarterback. Caught all kinds of flack from it, from everybody in 49er fandom. And I'm just here to say that kindly... I told you so. I know it's supposed to be better than that as an obje- as uh, as an analyst. You know, you're not supposed to rise above, but there's some situations where you just you need to get that I told you so in. I'm sorry, just 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 do. Uh, but yeah, so Brock Purdy will be the quarterback of the 49ers. Sam Darnold will be back him up. And we'll have to see how exactly how all of that plays out. But today, we are talking about wide receivers. So, Chris, let's get into a conversation about who our top five guys are this year because our list is a little bit different. So, we have our best five. And, you know, when you get to a top five receiver, we have, I don't know, Chris, I don't know about you, but for me, I have an elite tier seven. So it was hard for me to put together a top five necessarily, but, you know, doing the best we can here. As as always, we're doing projections and rankings. Everyone wants to know who the top five is to go after. So I want to know who your top five is. Let's discuss that. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think there's a top seven that you get any of these guys, you're going to be happy. I think you're kind of nitpicking when you're trying to pick out who's the best. Um, a lot of times you're going to hear people kind of the more the flavor of the month in a sense or the guy who's been the hottest or young guys particularly. So you saw a lot of those guys climbing the board this year. Um, my number one is the good old, old school Cooper Cup. Cooper okay. Cup is my number one receiver. He's supposed to be healthy coming into week one. Matthew Stafford's also healthy. So you put those two things together and you have magic. Um, Cooper Cup, you know. Now. Let's be clear. And Stafford, that is. Stafford's healthy for now. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could say that for a lot of different people. I think the, the situation is we haven't heard anything like we had the past two years coming out of Rams camp about Matthew Stafford, his elbow, any kind of pain tolerance, any kind of limiting him. I've heard nothing but positive things coming out of Rams camp. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we talk to you, we'll talk about some of our sleepers, but I think some of the guys that we really like, um, you know, you're looking at a quarterback that is – can stand to lose a little bit of arm strength and still be successful. So I think Matthew Stafford, as long as he can kind of hold up his back wise and Cooper cup is money in the bank. Um, this guy was basically a five of nine games that he played last year. It hit over a hundred yards. So you're basically guaranteed you're going to get half the time. At least that he's going to get you a hundred yards. If not a touchdown, 
um, and then you quite possibly usually both. And then you look back at you know the historic year that he had, 2021. You know, he was just an absolute beast. And there's no reason he can't approach what he did before. We know Matthew Stafford has shown a tendency in the past to lock on a guy and he will feed you the ball come hell or high water. That's why Kenny Galladay got paid for New York. And then we saw how that kind of worked out for him. So Cooper Cup to me, as long as he has a leg and as Mike Stafford has an arm, I'm, he's my number one guy. I can't dispute it, and I don't hate it. I did a video on our TikTok page, MDFF show, give it a follow, where I talked about why Cooper Cup, why isn't he being talked about more as a number one option? I did that show with Laquan Jones over there at NFL Network, and uh, not that I have him number one, but I did feel like it was a little bit disrespectful. He's not getting talked about in that scenario as much, and I don't care about the hamstring injury. The reason I don't have him number one is because, again, I don't trust Matthew Stafford to stay healthy for a full 17-game season, and he is getting over 30 that hamstring injury while it's not a problem now could possibly pop up again later on this season it just it makes me feel icky enough to where when i'm looking for tiebreakers with a group this close it's always a little further down the list for me but go ahead who's your number two yes yeah, so my number two is also going to be an old school guy so it's going to be somebody you're going to probably not because he's not the newest youngest guy but he does it year in year out and successful not Devonte adams Listen, Devontae Adams, I've heard, you know, we, we thought that when he moved to the Raiders last year, he proved to you that he could play with any quarterback. He didn't need Aaron Rodgers per se. He was successful in Green Bay with Tim Boyle, with Brett Hudley. It didn't matter who Green Bay paid a quarterback. As long as Devontae Adams was out there, he was scoring touchdowns and he was putting up points. Well, Jimmy G's not a bum. And I know everybody wants to compare Derek Carr, Jimmy G, and somehow Derek Carr was like this incredible, you know, pushing the ball down the field guy, and Jimmy G can't do anything like that. Devontae Adams played when Aaron Rodgers was sucking and when he was good. It didn't matter if they were aggressive, if they were they're trying to control the ball. Devontae Adams produces coming off a 14-touchdown 14, 14 game a season last year, over 1,400 yards. I'm going Devontae Adams until I'm showing otherwise. Ooh-wee, woo-wee. Chris going with the old men at the top. Devontae Adams didn't finish as number two receiver last year, but mm. – this is not last year vibes here. Now, while I don't subscribe to the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is necessarily a downgrade from Derek Carr, I do recognize he's a hell of a lot less durable. And I, I know that he's been successful with other quarterbacks in the past. Maybe Aiden O'Connell with the success he's had in preseason shows that he could be more successful in the regular season. Hopefully, they would call upon him first before a Brian Hoyer type. That would be the big key for me there. But Devontae Adams is also in a situation where I don't think he's that happy. And for a guy in his stature to not be that happy who does have a tendency to pick up calf issues here and there, I'm just a little afraid we get to a point in the season where he decides, you know what, I pulled up a little tight this week. I don't know if I'm fighting to get back. And that's why Adams, I'll, I'll just say where he is on my list because he's not in my top five. That's why I have him at number seven. Again, I'm looking for tiebreakers in that top seven tier. That's kind of what does it for me. So you're a little more ballsy than I am in that approach. Yeah, and I think that, Dan, if that does happen, we just saw Corey Davis retire yesterday. That opens another $10 million to the Jets in their books. Guess where Devontae Adams will be really soon if he's complaining and was out of the Raiders. Not allowed, okay? Wrong. Wrong answer. Why is that the wrong answer? Because I cannot have Garrett Wilson getting ruined with, with Devontae Adams getting added to that team. Uh, we got a question coming in here from uh, Dylan McKee. 14-team league got offered Brandon Ayuk for James Cook. Judy was top two wide receiver, but now out. We are going to talk about Jerry Judy later in the show. I already planned him in his outline. 
And I have Bijan and Josh Jacobs at the running back position. So he's pretty much asking a 14 T league where he has Bijan and Josh Jacobs. So you go get Brian Ayuk for James Cook. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to pull the trigger on this deal. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to be the number one receiver of the 49ers this year. Um, you know, the cat of the bag is one of my sleeper guys. I think Brandon Ayuk's value is a lot down farther than people realize it is. This guy was dominant towards the end of the season. He was a receiver one through the last six weeks of the year. Um, I think that that's with Christian McCaffrey, so I don't want to hear you know Christian McCaffrey being involved. George Kittle was involved. I know Debo wasn't in shape, but Brandon Ayuk's a baller. You're going into a free agent year next year. Well, one way or another, Brandon Ayuk's going to be a superstar, I think, in this league. And I like James Cook. I just wonder if he's ever going to be at all down back. I don't think there's, for me, it's not even a dispute in a sense. I think Brandon Ayuk's the guy to go with. In a 14 team league, it gets tough with that with the depth. But being that you have Bijan and Josh Jacobs, look, regardless of what's happening here, Jacobs is going to have to suit up and play. At least I think he's going to have to suit up and play at some point this year. I pulled the trigger on that myself as well. Uh, Chris, go ahead and continue. Who is your number three in your top five? Yeah, so I'm not trying to go all old school. I'm just kind of mixing up the board a little bit. And I will go, uh, you know, Jefferson. I, this guy is number one on most people's boards. I understand why. He was really successful last year. I question the touchdown potential being consistent as some of the other guys. I like Devontae Adams, why I have him ahead. Um, you know, I also wonder with having an actual good receiver and Jordan Addison, they spent some draft capital on. I don't like this Vikings offense and their vibe. I feel like last year they kind of caught people off guard when they're supposed to be falling down and, you know, played really well. This year this offense is expected to be good, and I don't know how good it's really going to be. I think this offensive line is going to be challenged. And overall, I know Jefferson's going to still going to be a dominant guy, but he was a little bit, you know, streaky last year where he had some huge games and then he had some okay games. He didn't score a lot of touchdowns, and that's my biggest concern. That's why I have number three. Chris finally mentioned a wide receiver that actually belongs in the top three. Good, Chris. <laughs> well, we'll see at the end of the year because people like to talk their junk now, but we'll see when that actually comes to, and a push comes I, to shove. I remember I, will give well, I was talking junk when Jeff, I had Jefferson number one last year and you told me I was crazy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't know why I was ever down on Jefferson last year, but I, I, I guess were. I'll I go just, with. I just yeah. said I had him as number one and you said there's, he shouldn't be number one. That's all I'm pointing out. That's all. I'm just being well, Super Cup is coming off of the 2,000-yard year. It's kind of hard just to be like, yeah. You got to get ahead of the curve. <laughs> we'll talk about that in my top well, five. If we knew Cooper Cup was going to get hurt, then and Matthew Stafford was going to be done That's by the week, correct. what, six, seven, That's I would have known. My part of my, not Cup necessarily, part of my assessment was Stafford staying healthy. But go ahead, go, go to your number four. We got to get through this. Uh, yeah, so my number four receiver, I'm going to go with, you know, another tested but true guy with Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is, is one of those guys who's just going to be a baller year in, year out. I don't think Stephen A. Smith has a clue what he's talking about what's going on with him in Buffalo. Stefan Diggs' contract is almost untradeable, so he's going nowhere. Him and Josh Allen were humming the other day in practice when the news came out. They've been nothing but connected all summer long. This isn't going to change. You have some different mouths to feed. You know, I'm going to hear about Dalton Kincaid. I'm going to hear about you know, some of the different guys who are getting more involved in the passing attack with James Cook, for example. I'm not worried. We know Stefan Diggs is going to get his targets. He cried this over the summer. Usually the Divas get the ball when they cry, and I'm excited for Stefan Diggs and the opportunity what he can do week in, week out. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one spot. I'll just give it away. I'm one spot ahead of you on Diggs. I have him at wide receiver three. Not the A.J. Peck yet. Still only 29 years old. He's gotten a, over 150 targets every single year. He's been a Buffalo Bill. Very consistent in that department. I don't I don't see Don Kincaid as somebody who's taking away targets from a Stephon Diggs. I don't think that goes down. And here's the big key for me when it comes to talking about Diggs in the top five and why he needs to be there. His efficiency went down. Okay, he had a 7.8, he had a 9.3 to a 7.8. I That changes at all this year because somewhere in the middle, that's all he has to do is get somewhere in the middle of that, which is more capable of doing. We're going to see Stephon Diggs as another top five receiver again this year. I'm with you on that. And Round you see a little more accuracy. Jimmy Sherman was really down on his accuracy last year. So I think this is something that actually could improve too. Josh Allen wasn't as bad, you know, the year before. Last year he really struggled some of the mid-range throws with Stephon Diggs feasts on. So I agree with you, Dan. I think they're going to see some regression to the norm. Round it out for him. And then my final five. My number five is Jamar Chase. I love Jamar Chase. I think he's a baller. I'm, I I build my fantasy team, and this is why I kind of stuck with some of the older school guys, both you know, the football for the running backs and the receivers with winning in week out. And it's important for me to have a roster that I have consistent guys who I can bank on. Jamar Chase is an awesome superstar. But last year, at four out of 12 games is when he went over 100 yards. It's not that he's like money in the bank. There is T. Higgins. There are different guys in Cincinnati. I know the offensive line's improved. I actually think that might change some things for the for – the, <clears throat> sorry. Um, that might change some things for the Bengals where I know everybody thinks they're going to go out there and let up you know, 30, 40 points a game. They can control the ball a bit more so this year. They're not going to have to sit there and be in shotgun all the time. I do wonder if they kind of, you know, step it off the trick, step off the pedal a little bit, and they don't necessarily, you know, score 35 points a game because they really don't have to. His defense is pretty good. So overall, I love Jamar Chase. I'm just not thinking he's as good as some of the other guys I have above him. Could not disagree more. First of all, Jamar Chase is my number one. Jamar Chase is my number one wide receiver. So that tells you where I'm at. Again, I'm getting ahead of the curve. Not consistent. Not the guy every week. What are you, out of your mind? His 17-game pace last year was 190 targets. He was the number one target in the red zone last year. Their secondary is terrible. This team unleashed Joe Burrow and that is the identity of the offense moving forward. The offensive line does help him get those bigger plays available to him. Couldn't disagree more on every level. And Jamar Chase, my number one guy. Go ahead. Four games over 100 yards out of 12. For the guy who's so consistent, four games out of 12 games to go over 100 yards. And the explanation for that is watching his, again, his yards per target decrease from 11.4 his rookie year to 7.8. Part of that is how teams were playing them last year. I definitely think the play calling and Joe Burrow and, and Jarmar Chase and all their skill sets is more than enough to overcome to recorrect that course this season. And as long as he didn't get hurt, he would have tied Devontae Adams last year for the number two wide receiver with the pace that he was on last year. Year, so I couldn't disagree with you more. And you talked about Matthew Stafford being hurt right now. Jamar Chase's quarterback still is hurt, and so I see otherwise as well. Burrow's baggy. No, 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 no. This is I'm waiting for a contract extension, and I don't care. When's the last time Burrow actually practiced in training camp? Has it mattered? No, not at all. He started off slow before he does, he did, he's a rhythm thrower, so it can affect him, but we'll see. 
Okay. Okay. Well, I just gave Jamar Chase. He was my number one guy. My number two guy as a result is Justin Jefferson. I see no reason why he slows down. The addition of Jordan Addison, I think, actually helps because maybe for once, defenders will not be able to just cue in on only Justin Jefferson. It will actually be able to take some safety help away. I think this will help him. I don't see this Minnesota offense trending off at all, especially given their schedule this year. It's actually pretty juicy considering they were a first place team uh, last year. The added weapons and TJ Hawkinson being there, I also don't care. I think it does nothing but help his efficiency. And that's why I'm on Justin Jefferson as my number two. I already talked about Stephon Diggs being my number three. Tyreek Hill, who I'm surprised was not in your top five. Tyreek Hill is my number four guy heading into this year. Had the most targets in his career. I definitely was not projecting that last year. I did not think he was going to go from a Holmes to a tackle of and get the most targets he's ever had in his career. That was pretty impressive. No, I'm not buying into the idea that, you know, Tyreek Hill, he says he wants to go for 2000 yards. That's nice. It's good to have goals. I don't see that actually happening this season. I do still worry to some degree about Tua being able to stay healthy. But Tyreek Hill showed that even when Tua wasn't out there, he was safe. Maybe Jalen Waddle wasn't safe, but Tyreek Hill was safe on a per-game basis. Maybe not top five elite, but top eight, and even without Tua. So as long as Tua can play most of the season, I think Tyreek Hill will definitely be a top five guy. And then I round that out with Cooper Cup. Again, I kind of talked about that a little bit when you brought him up. I'm looking for tiebreakers among this crew, and I struggle with Matthew Stafford staying healthy. Go ahead. You get a rebuttal. No, I don't have a strong one. Look, I love Harry Kill, and it was a real debate for me whether to keep him off the list. I I actually have, like, I couldn't, you know, cheat in this in a sense. I have him ranked parallel with Chase, Diggs, and Hill. I think those three guys, you're, you're happy with whatever one falls to you on the board. I agree with you. Tyreek Hill is going to be fed regardless of who the quarterback is with a lot of these guys. And I think that's the key to these guys that, you know, no matter who the quarterback is, they've all been successful. Maybe they're not necessarily all top five guys with the backup quarterbacks, but all of them have put up numbers with backup quarterbacks. Um, I love Tyreek Hill. I do think he can close to the 2,000-yard mark. One of the things that you saw for him, you know, with Tua is there's a natural connection. They do game plan a lot for him. It's hard to take Tyreek Hill away. The only thing I don't think helps him is what you keep beating the drum on about guys getting hurt. Tyreek Hill usually fall, has some kind of soft tissue injury at some point, whether it's a groin, whether it's a hamstring, and that's his speed, and that's what he kind of lives off right now. So I, that's the only reason I think he can necessarily get to those 2,000 yards, and I think that, you know, for me, it was hard keeping off the top five. Yeah, but except with the exception of the other guys, though, Tyreek Hill's only missed one game in the last three years. So I'm not I'm not viewing he's not in the same category as a Cooper Cup as some of these other guys go as far as that in, in my terms. Uh, let's go ahead, though, and jump into our pitfall. 